everyone, and welcome to the Game Cola Podcast number 35. I am Alex Jetty Jedrzak, here with Paul the Franzman Franzen, Christian Seaport Porter, Nathaniel the Hoover Dam Hoover, Colin the Green Machine Greenhalge, and David D. Dons Donovan. Everyone, introduce yourselves. What do you do for Game Cola? Hi, I'm Paul Franzen. I'm Game Cola's founder and editor-in-chief, and I also write news posts, and I write uh, the column Minus the Pudding, the best of Xbox Live Indie Games. Um, I'm David Donovan. I write reviews. Um, I've started writing kind of a Minecraft journal fiction thing as well, but um, I've been stumbling around China for the last month, so I'm kind of behind on things, but now I'm here, so hello. Hello. Hi. Oh, I I guess I should follow up now that I'm talking now. Hi, I'm Nathaniel Hoover. I edit articles on GameCola. I lazily administrate the GameCola YouTube channel, gc.net. Check it out today. And I also occasionally do this Sprite Flicker Sprite comic and Flash Flood columns and random reviews, fiction, basically any category on GameCola that has gone for too long without having any new updates to it. I write something for it. I'm Christian Porter, and I have written small amounts of stuff for just about everything on the site except for comics and fiction. I think that's accurate. Good, you're not muscling into my territory. No, 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 I wouldn't dream of it. Neither would I. Wait, so that means you're not going to be taking over the gates of life for us? I guess I could. Oh. I don't know that I'd be very good at it, though. Hi, I'm Colin. I do some, I don't really do much for Game Call anymore. I do some art every now and then, and mm. uh, I say I go to podcasts, but then I don't show up until... Well, well, don't sell yourself short. You did like you've done all of the artwork basically on the main site, and I, I, I think you're working on a, a an article with uh, Michael Gray right now too. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. I've heard a rumor. I, I've been doing. I'll do. I do art for the articles. Uh, I did the uh, all the art for the the Layton series that got put up, and uh, I'm doing some. He's doing a Castlevania article, which I'm going to start doing some art. Everyone's been introduced now, right? Yes. Yes. Got a big show today. Wow, we do have a lot of people. Paul Franzen, uh, yeah. did we did we not recently receive some more viewer comments? We did. We received a, a whole bunch of new comments on the last podcast when we posted it onto the YouTube channel. Uh, I will not be reading all of them because, quite frankly, there's thousands and thousands of them, and that would take a very long time. Yes, there um, are millions of viewers. Yeah. Yes. But I, I, did, I did call out a, a select few. Um, but real quick, if, if anyone else wants to uh, contribute, uh, you can post comment on the YouTube page if you're watching this on YouTube, or on the Game Call article if you're listening to there, or if you really want to be uh, super cool and gain some real uh, brownie points with the Game Call staff, uh, you can email pod, podcast, podcast, yes. podcast, podcast at gamecola.net. Yes. If you have anything you'd like to say about this episode, uh, like how wonderfully organized it is, for example. But anyway, we did get several comments. Um, first, from Rizzyman33, uh, he asks, Paul, how excited were you when the Back to the Future game came out? Actually, he didn't. And, he didn't ask that. Don't don't yeah. answer because there's no question mark. It's not a question. So does that mean I'm not allowed to answer? Yeah, it's just a statement. Oh, then I will, I will not be answering that statement. Uh, next, from Sax Dude Malloy, uh, I'm very. The answer is very. <laughs> Just couldn't resist. <laughs> Next from Sax Dude Malloy, uh, Sax Dude Malloy S26. Um, on the last podcast, we were talking about games we were looking forward to in 2011. He had a few more to add. Uh, he also suggested Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey, the 3D HD version, Kingdom Hearts 3D Portal 2, which is a glaring omission on our part, quite frankly. Wait, unless we actually mentioned it. <laughs> in which case. Anyway, uh, the the new uh, Dissidia game, uh, whose full name I will not pronounce because I can't. Uh, Isn't it in Latin Pokemon or Black something? And White. Po- Sorry? Isn't it in Latin or something? Yeah, it has a lot of it's words. It's something ridiculous. In it and, eh. uh, and Pokemon, which I believe just came out recently. Uh, he also wants to know where the fudge are Episode 2 of Sonic 4 and Oddworld Munch's Exodus. Uh, which I have no idea. Are, are they even gonna Are they even gonna make episode two of Sonic Four? Didn't everyone hate it? I hope not. Isn't that coming out after Half Life Two, Episode Three? 
And oh, come on, it wasn't that funny. I didn't deserve any laughter. You guys <laughs> getting soft on me. Reader and mail! Finally, anyway, also, also from Sax Dude Malloy. This last one, um, in uh, reference to uh, video games skewing the line between reality and, fi- and fantasy, uh, he wanted us to mention Final Fantasy VII. Uh, quote, the characters grow on you so much that the end of disc one will make you cry. That, and you learn some really important morals from the general compilation of Final Fantasy VII, uh, such as embrace your dreams. So, I guess we could have talked about that. But some people here still haven't played it. Nerd. Eris dies. What? Stop it! Oh. <laughs> Not in the version I played, I got Game Shark. <laughs> <laughs> she lives. They all live. Wow. Also, Sephiroth is in my party. <laughs> wow. Uh, so that's it for comments again. Uh, email podcast at gamecola.net. Um, we will all be your friends if you do that. Yeah, please please email us. I'll consider it. Please. Podcast at Anyway, uh, who has a topic? Let's talk about some video games or something. Is, is that what we do here, talk about video games? Occasionally. Yeah. Talk about beards a lot, too. Yeah, tea. Tea. Talk about tea. Video games! Oh, I think I heard Nathaniel suggesting he had our first topic. Yes, I apparently do have our first topic, which, coming right off the top of my head, is about adventure games. Because, as maybe somebody noticed at some point fairly recently, I wrote a review of the adventure game Gemini Rue, which comes highly recommended. Reading my review of it also comes highly recommended. You should do that first and then play the game, which is highly recommended. And on top of that, I started playing Back to the Future, the game, colon, or possibly dash, episode two. Get Tannen which we also discussed, Michael Gray, if I recall, discussed on the Game Cola website, on the website. So, been playing a lot of adventure games recently, and something I wanted to bring up... Well, first of all, who here actually plays adventure games aside from Paul? We're all raising our hands. Yeah. Oh, fabulous. Okay, so... Better all be raising your hands. We'll we'll have a little bit of uh, topic motion here. Good, good, good. Um, My question, which I'm finally getting to is whether easy adventure games, that is, puzzles that aren't terribly challenging, games that you can just breeze through even without a walkthrough or on your first time, are easy adventure games any more or less satisfying than ones that are otherwise of the same quality but have really, really difficult, frustrating puzzles that make you think super hard and bang your head against a wall sometimes? (laughs) Well, I mean, if you put it like that... (laughs) I mean, personally, I don't like being frustrated when I'm playing video games. Um... I've, I have gotten to the point where if I'm spending more than 10 or 15 minutes on a puzzle, I'll just look it up in a walkthrough uh, just to, to negate that. Like, uh, we talked about the Whispered World on the last podcast, and I, I had that problem with that game uh, where um, there are a lot of really, really difficult puzzles, and if I did not have a walkthrough handy, the game probably would not have been as much fun for me just because I would have gotten frustrated and stopped playing and snapped the disc in half at varying, various points throughout the game. Well, also, uh, there's a difference between difficult because it makes you think and difficult just because it's completely random and doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's sort of what I'm talking about, just the, the contrast between the extremes of this is a completely nonsensical puzzle, maybe it can be figured out, maybe you need to walk through for it, versus here's a super easy puzzle that requires no thought whatsoever, that's incredibly obvious solution where you're not even trying and it takes the game out of adventure game. Well, but I mean, you can still have a difficult puzzle, uh, you know, it has a lot of steps that you have to go through, or you actually have to think about it, you know, you can have difficult because it makes you think, and you can have difficult because it makes no sense. Well, no, that's right. that's fine, but I'm saying, again, not, here's a difficult puzzle, but it's a fair challenge, or here's a difficult puzzle, but it's a lot of fun. It's it's given the option between super, super easy puzzles and super, super difficult puzzles, uh, which one has is a better adventure game? Just I don't know if there's much of a difference, really, and here's why. is because if they're super, super difficult, you're just looking it up, you're just going through the motions, and if they're super, super easy, you're just going through the motions. I, somewhere in the middle is where, is where it needs well, to be, sure. somewhere to cater to my inability to problem solve. <laughs> there's no such thing as gray. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think those, the two extremes are almost the same thing, just because of... Uh, 
of what happens in the end. You just look it up or you just do it. Good point. I don't know. I, I've, I've definitely played games where it's just a straight shot. You just read text and then you solve a very, very simple puzzle and then you just read more text. Like uh, I reviewed a game called Jake Hunter. Uh, I forget what the subtitle was, but let's go with Ace Detective. Where the Sounds game was... to me. <laughs> I mean, it, it was basically just that. A lot of text and then super, super simple puzzles. And I actually found that fun. Um, I, 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 I didn't see it so much as just the same thing as reading a book, basically. I, I thought it was just a cool little adventure where I'm guiding the actions of this story without necessarily putting a lot of creative input or thought into it. I don't know. I'm okay with I'm okay with games where the puzzles are super super simple. I think I'm I think I'm more okay with that than with with annoyingly challenging. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I guess it uh, depends on what you're looking for in the game. Like, are you looking for something to waste time, or are you actually interested in the story? Because you know, books are just kind of incredibly boring games where the puzzle is can you turn the page do you know how to turn the page (laughs) now that's interesting though because and the reason i brought this up in the first place is playing back to the future after playing gemini rue now i i absolutely loved the first episode of back to the future the game um even though the puzzles most of the puzzles weren't horribly challenging there were a couple of good ones in there and some thinking but it nothing detracted from the story nothing was so difficult or complex that it really took me out of the moment and made me go you know stew for a while that this story kept moving and then i get to the second episode after having this uh phenomenal game experience that as i wrote in my review for a time was the greatest adventure game i had ever played and then i gum- come back to back to the future which was previously one of the best games that i had ever played as well that i just really enjoyed and the story's not hitting as hard and all of the puzzles are really straightforward the first the first act i guess if you can say of the game was a series of here's a single screen and here's four objects or people or whatever interact with them Okay, you're done. You've solved a puzzle. Hooray, move on. And there was not, maybe I've just been solving too many puzzles recently, but <laughs> it wasn't that much of a challenge. And it really wasn't satisfying because the story wasn't drawing me in. And that's baffling to me because story is like the last thing I ever play a game for. I like Mega Man. <laughs> we don't have story. Yeah, you do. Dr. Wily's back. Shh, don't ruin it. And this time he's an alien robot. Shh, don't double ruin it. This time he's Paul Franzen. Dun, okay, now dun, that's just uh... far. Beard man. What was it? Uh, Wait, what would my Dr. superpower be? No, you were, uh, what was it, Dr. Cossack? Is that what that, it was? Yeah, someone, was it you who pointed that out? Or yeah. was it Nathaniel, no, someone? If it yeah. had anything to do with Mega Man, it was probably me. Yeah, it wasn't me. <laughs> could've been, it could have been Medio. He reviewed some of those games, too. That's true. But it was me. Yeah. So that's my little yes. adventure game musing. Unless uh, David or Colin has anything to contribute. Have, have, has. Yeah, the only thing I was going to add in is, uh... On the topic of puzzles being too hard, I remember when I was about, I was probably about eight or nine playing Monkey Island, first adventure game I played, and I knew how to solve the darn puzzle. It was the one where you have to, well, I can't, wait, I can't say the solution. Wait, I can't do that. I knew what to do. I knew what to do, but it was, wait, 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 which is this one or two? Monkey Island one or two? Um, first one, the first one. Okay. And, um, it's, it's where you have to get to the island off the ship. <laughs> Maybe you remember. I, I knew know, what I know to what do. Yeah, I knew what to do, but it was an issue of like the order in which to click things. Like I just could not figure out as a child. And it was just an issue of like, no, you do it this and then this and then this, and it like did not work. So I did not actually solve that puzzle until about. Maybe ten years later, I think. <laughs> and, w- and when I got to it, you I play did other games the same... in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought about. He was it, just playing you know, this constantly. Every day he would yeah. try it again. I did, but uh. Yeah, and then when I did it, I finally solved it. I did exactly what I thought I had done before, and that time it worked. So I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes there's just there's just that issue of they want you to do the things in the exact order, and it's like you know how to solve it, but you're just like clicking one thing wrong, and I don't know. So that's like one thing, a pitfall I think of adventure game design. Well, that's regarding all. the the early Monkey Island games specifically, one thing I've noticed mm-hmm. about them is that I've pl- I've played each one easily a half dozen to a dozen times, and Every time I still get stuck somewhere in one of those, in like, in, at some point in the game. I don't understand how that's even possible. Like, I just played uh, the Monkey Island 2 re-release on Xbox last year. I got mm-hmm. stuck, like, five or six times in that game. Like, I was using the in-game hints. I still couldn't figure stuff out. Like, so huh. the, the response is how appropriate you fight like a cow. 
Yes, always. Every puzzle. It's not always the answer. These two, I remember I could never get off the first island because when you asked him to go like talk to the sword, the sword, the sword fighter, yeah, the yeah. sword master, he, I'd wait for him to come back and he'd tell me to jump in the lake. I'm like, I don't, how do I jump in the lake? There's no button. For, I can't even get to the lake. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happens? Uh-huh. The, uh, the adventure games to me have become like, I, I, I have a really hard time getting into newer ones. Like I really wanted to play the Sam and Maxes, but I, I, I couldn't. And I don't know why. They're just like a nostalgia thing. I'll play Monkey Island 2 over and over again, even today, but like, I, I, I don't know. Well, there's also, it's, it's sort of like, you know, reading indie comics when you're so into Marvel and DC that it's the stuff you know, it's the stuff you love, and then anything else isn't just, oh, well, I've heard about this. It's, this is completely different. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what kind of puzzles I'm in for. I don't know what kind of characters, music, production values, any of that. Uh, I mean, you can read reviews and look at screenshots, but jumping into a new adventure game is sort of an investment, too, because it's not just, oh, well, if I button mash enough or if I spend enough time grinding for levels, I'll eventually beat this. It's, this very well mm-hmm. could defeat me. Maybe that's a subconscious thing going on there. Maybe that's just me, but it, it how, seems how like a adventure- daunting task. To take on a new adventure game. Mm-hmm. I was, I was you said like the adventure game will defeat you. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think, how many are there out there where you can actually die? In, in the original Monkey Island, if you put in the effort, you could die. There was like one way to die. Drowning. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ten minutes of holding your breath. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's cool. And I, then and I love the it. I don't know if you've ever. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Paul. Oh, I was gonna say just um, that. That death is fun because at the bottom of the screen it changes all of your verbs from pick up, walk, use to bomb, uh, float. <laughs> by hint. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. Anyway, you used to be able to die a lot in King's Quest. Yeah, yeah, well, that was one. Yeah, that yeah. was the difference. The Sierra games, you could die everywhere. Police Quest, Space Quest, which I also mm-hmm. just wrote about and reasons. Oh, read Game Cola and all of those Sierra games you could die in, and all of the Lucas Arts games you were completely immune. And I, I mm. think. It, you could die in some of the Indiana Jones games, couldn't you? I think that's right. Shadow, I remember Shadow. dying in one of them. So, okay, maybe not all the Lucas games, but <laughs> you know, most of the modern adventure games I've seen out here haven't let you die, or at least not let you die as frequently as any of these yeah, other well, games. I mean, I don't think there's any Telltale games you can die in, for example. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen any yet. Well, I mean, I think uh, games in general lately have been avoiding that kind of like, oh, you go back to the beginning deal. Uh, there's a lot more checkpoints and a lot more auto saves and a lot more uh, 152 lives <laughs> well, kind of stuff going on. It's a shift in the philosophy of gaming. Now it's people have to spend a fair amount of money to buy a game. There are so many different games out there, so many options. You want to keep people playing. And one of the ways to do that is make it so that you are always winning or always progressing toward winning, whereas in the early days of the Atari, the Nintendo, even the Super Nintendo, if you had a very difficult game, if you were anything like my family, you didn't have a whole bunch of games lining your shelves in your carpet. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd have two or three or four or a dozen games at most, maybe, and you would play the ones that you had until you got good enough to beat them. Because yeah, yeah. you didn't have it, uh... anything else to play, or because, you know, this was a challenge. The point of playing a game was to have fun by getting good enough to beat it, not just going through it and eventually beating it automatically. Yeah, I uh, I remember my dad actually playing uh, Space Invaders for the Atari, and that he, he, quote, beat it, but all that it did, like the last level was uh, everything was invisible, <laughs> and he actually beat that, and it just looped back to level one. <laughs> A so, lot of games did that. Yeah, wow. like... <laughs> but the, yeah, the whole concept of, like, challenge just increases gameplay time, and the concept that if he had died on level, you know, 255, then uh, he would have been back to level 1. You know, like, he never would have known what the ending was. Oh, so it loops back to level 1 anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, now games are actually trying to compete with each other to get people to play them and buy them. So they have to have some sort of content and make themselves more accessible to uh, the average player. Yeah. Well, I mean, personally, I'm I'm never motivated to beat a game when... It's the sort of game where if I die, I lose the last half hour of progress. I'm I'm a really yeah. I'm a really bad yeah. gamer. Uh, I'm what some might call a weenie. Um, so 
I, I just get frustrated and I, I stop playing those games just because I, I can't stand to have to redo stuff frequently. And I, no, I don't, I don't blame you. I, I don't think that, I think that's bad game design. Just having to do the same thing over and over and over. Well, and that's over. one of the reasons why I had to cheat to get all of the top secret cheat code uh, bonus unlockables in uh, 007, Goldeneye for the N64. How you mm. have all those things, you know, like paintball mode and DK mode yeah, and infinite ammo and all those. Like, most of those, I got some of them, but most of those I just had to use the cheat codes to unlock because there was no way I was going to spend, you know, 25 minutes running around the streets of Moscow, I think it was, um, only to get gunned down in the last five seconds and lose all progress. On well, see, that's it. I, I hate it when, when games... I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, no, it's fine. I, Please I just, do. I strongly dislike it when games uh, ask you to do things that, that aren't fun. <laughs> that kind of defeats the purpose of why I'm, I'm taking my free time out to play this game. You know, I mean, I don't have a lot of free time, so when I do it, I don't want to spend, you know, 20 minutes. To, I don't want to spend an hour, you know, leveling up or playing the same part of a level over and over again. I want to do something, and I want it to be fun. All I have to say is slappers and golden gun. <laughs> that's true perhaps, perhaps occasionally the re- reward is worth it <laughs> that was I remember GoldenEye um, yeah trying to do those challenges when you did do them though when you finally got it it was like you you turned it into like a delicate dance of you know turn right around this corner at this exact second shoot this guy two times it was almost like a ballet of just like perfection when you finally got it down and I no, you're exactly right, and that's that's part of the joy of of doing things like that. If you're any good at the game, that you can really make an art out of it, a, a choreographed dance, like you were saying. Um, but then I I've always struggled with first-person shooters on console systems because I I do really well using a mouse. I think I might have even talked about this in some other podcast in, in a previous life or something. But you know, using the mouse and a keyboard, I'm pretty good with first-person shooters, but I can't play them. I'm, I'm miserable, you know, anytime anybody ever says, hey, can you come over here and sit next to me and play Halo so that you can spin around in circles and shoot your feet? And I'm like, awesome. So I've, I've <laughs> never been able to be good enough to accomplish any of the, the special tasks in uh, or beat any of the harder mm-hmm. difficulty modes in console games. I, with, uh, my, in my case, I had, two, I had two brothers, so we kind of tag-teamed on it. It's like, okay, you can uh-huh. do this one. This is the one I cannot do. You do it, kind of thing, and ha- hand it off, and that made it bearable. It was only doing a third of them each, so that's exactly how my fiance and I beat the last level of uh, the first Little Big Planet. Where they're like, there are very, there are a bunch of discrete segments in that game, and there, there were like some I was really good at, and some she were, really, she was really good at, but there weren't very many that we were both really good at. So we'd been playing through the game up till then as a co-op, but for that point we had to. Uh, drop the second player and just take turns going through the different segments until we beat it. I didn't really have a point to that story. I just wanted to mention it. Actually, uh, I've asked this previously, but we have different people here this time. Uh, has anybody here played Cave Story? Yes. I keep yes. being told yes. that I should play it. Yeah. Uh, the, the quote, Sacred Grounds, the level basically after the end of the game, that was always interesting to me. I mean, speedruns and stuff are always fun through the normal game, but this was basically intended to be, you have to be perfect at everything to get through this level. It was interesting to me that he you know, encouraged that and made a level just for this. Everything had to be perfectly timed and that your jumps, you had to make at the exact point in order to make it across. And you only had so much uh, fuel in your rocket pack to make it over. And if you used too much of it, you'd run out and run into the spikes. Uh, that was cool to me. I don't know that I ever played that level. Was that? Oh, no. Did you play it on the Wii? No, I played it on uh, the computer originally okay. when it came out. I must not have yeah. done that. Well, you you have to go through a whole bunch of stuff to get access to it. It's actually uh, you have to get the timer, you have to save curly, you have to do mm. this and that, and then after the end of the game, you beat the final boss, and then you go into a little room, and there's a secret level under there. So there is like a you know it's not obvious how to get to that uh that level but if you look it up on youtube look for sacred grounds run throughs and spoil the end of the game it doesn't spoil the end of the game actually it's uh it's completely separate but then you see exactly what to do maybe (laughs) so you can't argue with (laughs) that (laughs) well that is that is true because part of the fun of sacred grounds is like 
you're going to die constantly. You're going to die 50 times just trying to get down the first set of uh, giant spiky stairs. But then, like David was saying, uh, you get to a point where after you've done it 50 times, it's nothing. You you get it exactly perfectly. You you have this down. You know what to do. You know that you need to jump here and do this and do that, and you can wait. And then if you fall, and then you shoot up, and then you get the... Yeah, you shouldn't be shooting up while playing video games. That might affect your performance. Wow. Oh, oh, I got it. (laughs) It was a real naive. What you were talking about there, Jetty, reminded me of V V V V V V, or yes, if you prefer the lovely gravity flipping indie puzzle platformer, which is also one of my new favorite games. Um, And and this is another topic that maybe I'll I'll consider bringing back up again, but my gaming experiences so far in 2011 have been vastly superior to almost anything I played in 2010, despite the fact that most of the games I played in 2010 weren't released anywhere near then. But that's a story for another couple of minutes. But anyways, in VVVVVV, there's a... So there's extra bonus items, these shiny trinkets that you can pick up um, that accomplish something secret. And the most absurd one in the entire game is, uh, again, you can't jump. You can just flip gravity up and down. You're on the ceiling. You're on the floor. And you walk to this little platform just after a save point, and there's a little nub in the ground, this teensy tiny nub that's barely as high as your ankle if you had an ankle and weren't, you know, completely like 8-bit. And you can't jump over it. So what you have to do is you need to flip upside down and you fly up to the ceiling, and then you're supposed to walk over and then flip back down on the other side, get your shiny trinket. Except the ceiling is covered with spikes, and there's a little hole along the right side, so you flip upwards. And then you say, oh, okay, well, I'll just fling up myself into the hole, and then go on the next screen, find a ceiling, and then flip back down. Well, you go up to the next screen, and there's more spikes. And now yes. they start to zig left, and then you go up, and it's sort of a straight shot. And then there's another thing, and then it splits off, and then it goes into other directions. Then you land. You finally hit a ceiling with all sorts of spikes everywhere, but you land on a floor that you can switch yourself around and start falling back down, except the platform disintegrates after you're standing on it for like a half second. So you need to yes. quickly flip yourself around, then dodge all of the spikes the way you just came up in reverse. And this is like five or six screens of insanity and just constant reloading. And it's so much fun. Um, yes. But you need to do everything absolutely perfectly. And they don't make you do that in games at all. So I was impressed. I- Actually, uh, I remember specifically, this isn't a game released in 2011, it was released in 2010. (laughs) Actually, I think it was, it might have been 2009 even. I watched my roommate at the time play this uh, on my birthday, which my birthday is January 21st, those who are curious. Yeah, last year, around my birthday, I remember him playing that level. And I specifically remember that he actually made it all the way through, but then landed back on the wrong side. Oh no! (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So he. <laughs> but but that was the best part about that puzzle for me is that is insanely stupidly difficult and yeah. no one. I mean, there's even a sign in the previous room that's like nobody's going to get this. Yeah. Um. But just the insanity of it kept making me laugh when I was screwing up instead of making me yeah. want to pull my hair out. Most of the time, it was it was just so very well designed. And that's something that I've, I've noticed in, maybe it's just the selection of games that I've been playing, but everything I've played in 2011, I've either loved or really liked. There's been like one or two games that have been like, eh, okay. But 2010, all of the games you know, I played, and a bunch of these are... Um, Things that I, I wrote about at some point, um, either here on GameCola or on GameFAQs, which I wrote for before I joined the GameCola staff. Um, but games like Legacy of the Wizard, Final Fantasy VIII, a lot of games that are ostensibly maybe my type, but then I found myself doing all of these menial tasks or grinding or repeating myself, um, needing to reload previous states, uh, you know, all of these things. And it was just anytime I picked up a game, I'm like, maybe this will be good. And then I get just invested enough in it that it's going to feel like a total waste of my time if I stop now. But then I say, I really don't want to keep playing this anymore. So I'm so pleased that the games I'm playing now are so much more enjoyable and remind me why I like video games in the first place. Actually, uh, continuing on about VVV, VVV. Uh, oh, fine. Completely ignore my long monologue conversation topic that I went off on. Fine. Yes, I, I will completely ignore it. You're welcome. Please do. Thank you. Well, but as you were saying, you know, in enjoyable games, and also going back to what we were saying before about difficulty and playability, and VVVVVV, while being a very difficult game, you know, you, you're going to die a lot. Yeah. Just trying to figure out how to get through the game. 
But at the same time, even though they have that, they also give you checkpoints constantly. Everywhere. Yeah, so it's an interesting balance between Nintendo hard and having the ability to get 999 lives or whatever. I mean, personally, that's that's all I ask for. I don't... I mean, the game can be hard. I can die a lot. That's fine. If if there's a way that... If there's some kind of mechanism in place to prevent me from having to play the same 20 minutes over and over again, that's all I need. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with difficulty. I'm not okay with wasting my time. Yeah. It's a uh, proper use of saving your game. I've watched you and Michael Gray play Willy Beamish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone actually watched that. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I was totally late to the podcast, or at least thinking I was going to be late to the podcast if we didn't start half an hour later than agreed on, because I was watching your Willie Beamish dinner over video. I, I haven't. Um, I, I don't know uh, what videos we've uploaded, uh, uploaded yet. Have we gotten to the point yet where we spend uh, nearly a half hour on one puzzle? No, I don't think we've gotten there really yet. That's a really good part. There's, there's hardly <laughs> been a great. puzzle. We, we, like, we call Lizzo in for help. We we check YouTube. We check game FAQs. We, Took us a very long time to solve that. I don't. I don't know if the entire uh, segment will remain intact once again yeah, at uh, Michael's uh, cutting room. But it sounds like riveting. Oh, like, it's wonderful. Experience. <laughs> if you if you ever want to watch uh, a couple people play the same part of a video game for over a half hour, then <laughs> my God, you sounds check worse out than the playing the same YouTube part. Channel. <laughs> Nothing but quality. <laughs> That's something I've noticed. As as the fake administrator of this YouTube channel, I keep noticing that people always play games that aren't entirely their style. That somehow people keep saying, oh, well, I've never really played this game before, or I don't know what I'm doing, or I don't really like this kind of game, but I'll play it anyhow. <laughs> like, what are we doing? We need to reshuffle the games that we're playing. It's still entertaining. It's well, just striking I, I just, how nobody I'm is an expert videos. at what they're playing. I mean, personally, when I'm recording videos for YouTube, and I, it's been a while since I've done anything besides the co-op videos with Michael, um, I, I usually like picking something that I haven't played before, because I think I find that more entertaining for myself. I, I have a feeling that uh, people who are big fans of this game, uh, in particular my Earthbound walkthrough, uh, don't always like watching someone just bumble through a game, but it's fun for me. It's more fun for me than uh, trying to show off what little mad skills I have. I like I like that better. I, I'm a huge Earthbound fan. I've played through it tons of times. But I liked watching your video better than someone who knows where everything is, because I know where everything is. I don't care about that. Oh, thank you. I thought it was more fun to watch yours. Thank you. A bumbler. Yeah, I, I guess that's a, an interesting point, is you, know, you could only play through a game for the first time once. However... And everybody's going to have a different experience. Yeah, and so, you know, watching somebody else also play it for the first time is kind of interesting. You know? Now we're just validating our terrible YouTube videos. <laughs> I mean, really good YouTube videos that you should watch. So I'm just, say, I'm just saying this because I'm... Made some yourself. <laughs> See, I'm true, just saying sorry. this because I'm planning on doing a, uh, a Let's Play of a game I've never played before. Oh! So, oh. Do, do you want to share what game? Uh, the, the game I'm thinking right now is going to be Choaniki. <laughs> Yikes. Am I the only one who knows about that game? Apparently. No, no I, Christian. I know what it is. Alas. <laughs> Alas, your life was ruined. The PlayStation 1 Chowaniki, because they had a sale on it on the PlayStation Network, so can't say no to that. They had a sale. Wow. They had a sale. They did for PlayStation Plus members half off. So I joined I PlayStation Plus. Clear out Plus. their digital inventory. Apparently. <laughs> But for those that don't know, Choaniki is a uh, game, it's n it's never said, but it's certainly heavily implied that the game is uh, homosexual men flying through space, oh, shooting, la shooting laser beams through uh, holes in the top of their head because they look like giant penises. Oh, I, think I've, I think I've heard of this game. Yeah, I, I'm sure that, I've mentioned that, it at some point. That description reminds Paul of the game. <laughs> yes, I what? recognize the game by the description. <laughs> I don't know if it's a game or just a dream I had, but it sounds really familiar. Flying space penis hey, man. When you see screenshots of a game where there's a big naked guy with lasers coming out of his head, <laughs> it sticks with you. Christian, is this defense. going to get our YouTube page shut down? 
I can. Well, actually, my wife actually spotted this in the very opening big in the opening intro. There actually is two guys sitting there with their penises out. So I'm going to have to like blur that out yeah. or something. I, I think we do have a no penis rule on the. Yeah, I'm gonna have. To, I didn't even realize it at first, but I'm gonna have to just blur that part out. So anyway. Anyway, where were we? Is it time for a new topic? Uh, it might be. Okay, um, I, I have one. Uh, it ties into our previous conversation on adventure games, uh, in as much as uh, I think we can probably all agree that Telltale Games has, uh, it pretty much goes hand in hand with the, with the name adventure game these days. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So anyway, that's, that's my segue. Um, all of the it, end. What Telltale Games does right now, Basically, all of their games are either episodic or episodic, depending on how you pronounce that word. <laughs> episodic. Is it episodic? Yes. <laughs> no idea. Um, if you're Minnesota or not. My um, question about, the, about episodic gaming is, basically, why? Why episodic? I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Really? It's be crazy with Back to the Future, where I play in a game that's like two hours long if you stretch it out. And then I have to wait another six weeks before the next before I get to play the next two hours. It drives me nuts because when I get to the second game, I forget everything that happened in the first game. I, I don't like it. So why? Um, I could tell you that. I mean, I'm sure there's the there's like you could philosophize about how like bringing out episodic content's more engaging, maybe or something. But I bet you it comes down to if I can make the first chapter of a game and sell it to you before I'm done with the whole game, like the whole story, then I can continue to make the game. Uh, and it's a better business model than spending two or three years on a whole game and then it failing miserably and the whole studio shutting down. That's yeah, true. In theory, they're able that. to learn <laughs> from the feedback that they get for the next installment. In theory, Although that but, usually doesn't seem to be But the apparently case. they already have it written and made. Yeah, I was going to say, I just, for, uh, specifically with Telltale, I haven't really seen that uh, come to pass. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's any difference between the first game of Monkey Island and the fifth game, uh, anything they've really changed. And in fact, they, they kept all the things that everyone hates, like the controls. <laughs> and in fact, they well, still I mean, do that. So. <laughs> there's there's fundamental things like the controls that you couldn't really get away with changing. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, you're not going to change the engine game. halfway through the series. So. Right. But... Going from there to uh, Back to the Future, for example, you know they should just read more Game Cola, and then they get all the criticism they needed to change their control <laughs> scheme. Perfect criticism. <laughs> yes, because I can't go an article talking about Telltale without mentioning it. One thing that's interesting about episodic games is length versus cost. I suppose you know how much do you pay per episode, whereas they could sell an extremely long game for seventy bucks. Or they could cut it up into eight parts at ten bucks each and make more money. Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not arguing that it that it doesn't seem like a good idea from a business perspective. I just I, I feel like developers tend to talk about this as though it's a great thing for consumers as well. Yeah. And I and I I don't know. From for me personally, I I, I as I've said, I strongly dislike it. I mean, like it, like with the, the Sam and Max series previously, I just. I just waited until they all came out and played them at once, and that's uh, what I'm going to be doing with Back to the Future also after playing the first episode. Yeah, that is true. Here's another consideration. If you are constantly releasing content, you are constantly driving people back to your site to wait for mm. the next thing, to talk about the next thing, to look for the next thing. And while you're in the middle of a game that you could have theoretically released a couple months ago and then had nothing in the meantime, you're still producing new content for that and then leaving hints that, oh, by the way, we're coming out with Jurassic Park or whatever game is mm-hmm. next. Okay. So it keeps people engaged in your games as well, in your company, really. For me, I think it's, it's – I would just wait till everything's out, every episode – and then just like buy the the boxed set kind of thing. That's always my would, my perspective on that. I would do that too, but with all of the spoilers that Game Cola has and the fact that <laughs> yeah, I edit more articles, I oh, kind of need true. to play yeah. that stay on top because I'm well, very. See, that's why it, it was it was a very tough decision for me to decide to play uh, Back to the Future all in one chunk instead because I want to read I want to read what people think about the games, but now I'm not gonna want to be able to not gonna want to do that until they're all out until I play them all, you know. And I think you're right about that, too. But I think maybe episodic games could work, but they tend to apply it to the genres that they shouldn't be applying it to. Like adventure games where story is very important, 
If they, but like uh, Sonic, I think actually makes a lot more sense as an episodic game, even though it sucked. It makes more sense as an episodic game because the story, you know, who cares? You killed a bunch of robo crabs to free the bunnies and kittens inside, and you got to the next level. There's not really yeah, you know, much to remember. Yeah. I I think I agree with that. <laughs> I think I would be much more open to the idea if it weren't uh, such a story-based game. Yeah, actually, uh, when I thought about games that would be done well in an episodic manner, uh, I usually think of, like, like platformers and stuff, like... Instead of Mega Man having eight bosses all at once, you could get one boss every month well, that, or something like that. that. That doesn't really work with Mega Man as much, though, because some of the joy of it is being able to choose any boss from the get-go. But platformers in general, I can see. I still think that Half-Life was doing it right while they were still releasing new episodes to Half-Life <laughs> 2, because it's the opportunity to be a self-contained adventure that's longer than a demo, but shorter than a full-length game. And it's a self-contained story. When you're done with it, you move on to another episode that may be completely different in feel and style, may even have a slightly upgraded graphics engine while you're you know, waiting for the next big thing, um, that it's completely skippable in terms of story, that you can play you know, Half-Life 2 and then theoretical Half-Life 3 and skip all the episode 1, 2 in the middle and still enjoy the main story, just have more out of it if you've played the episodic game. So, I don't know, episodic games always seem to me like they would be best as the... The expansion packs. Yeah, I think uh, I think the self-contained deal is sort of what makes uh, episodic games more fun because then you're not sitting there waiting a month or two for them to release the next one. Well, actually, that's um, the first two Sam and Max series that uh, Telltale did. They were much, much more self-contained than basically the rest of Telltale's library. Like they were really just this is one episode, this is one story that you're playing through. Next month, you get to play through a different case. Whereas, yeah, there might be a tie-in or something, yeah. but it was usually its own thing. Yeah, well, I mean, whereas uh, Tales of Monkey Island, Back to the Future, each episode takes place directly where the one before it left off, usually with a big cliffhanger. At least that's what Monkey Island was like. I don't know. just drove me crazy having to wait so long. And then, especially with uh, Monkey Island, which I got a little complicated toward the end. Like, I was having a lot of trouble remembering all the small details and all the little generic characters that I met. Well, that's because some of it they just completely made up. Feels <laughs> oh, that like. last episode was just terrible. <laughs> the story just took a took a real turn for the worst. But yeah, okay. So I I I, I, yeah, I like this idea. I think uh, what we're talking about is right that that <clears throat> episodic games work well for more self-contained stories or games that aren't uh, particularly story-based at all, and not so much with the super story-heavy adventure games that Telltale's been putting out lately. Yeah, I mean, in concept. It seems like it would be good. Like, look at TV. We watch TV. We come back every week. But we don't watch TV. I uh, don't watch TV. Actually, yeah, I don't watch TV either. I haven't had cable in years. But if they could get it down where they were releasing one every week as opposed to one in every three months or something. Yeah, no, that would that would be cool too. I, I would accept that also. Yeah, but, but yeah, I think I believe it was a. Uh, maybe Nathaniel can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was six months, or it's not six, six weeks between the uh, first two episodes of Back to the Future. Just a little, little yeah, something like that. Because I, yeah. they said February, I think they said, and I yeah. don't think it was February, where it was very close to the end of February when the yeah. next one came out. Yeah, and the, the episode two just came out like out of nowhere. There was no like even press release or anything. It's really weird. I was notified by email. I have no qualms. Oh, I wasn't. I mean, I well, I'm, st- I'm I've been playing it on PS3, so I'm still waiting for it on PS3 anyway. I think Telltale well, was watching Dean have... Cola to find out. <laughs> hopefully they'll have uh, fixed the kinks in it by the time it comes around to your platform, Paul, because what Michael Gray said in his review, the biggest reason he gave any criticism toward the game was all of the glitches and uh, things locking up and crashing and cutscenes failing on him and all, all of this yeah. awful stuff. And I've been having an okay time. Everything's been fine, but... There have been a couple of times where my screen goes black when it's loading a cutscene, and I wonder if I'm going to be booted out to my desktop. Well, I did hear speculation, and uh, this this could be completely unfounded because I think people were uh, just kind of uh, just talking. But I think um, people were, were suggesting that maybe the game was not supposed to be released, like maybe uh, Steam accidentally like released ever. it a couple days earlier. <laughs> or just something jumped like to that. part three. Somebody accidentally clicked the publish button. Yeah. <laughs> just, I just, just wanted to save his draft. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> anyway, episodic gaming. Yeah. It has its downfalls. It has its good points. Or would those be upfalls? Upfalls. It has its upfalls. It doesn't have as many upfalls as downfalls. 
Video games. Man. Who wants to give us a new topic? How about what games that everyone likes that are kind of guilty pleasures? We all have guilty pleasure games. <laughs> what are everybody's and why do you like them? Enchanted Arms. Because it's simultaneously one of the worst and best games I've ever played in my life. And, in fact, the reason I think it's one of the best is because it's one of the worst. Which makes <laughs> a lot of sense. Um, I, I wrote, a, wrote a lengthy review about this, but... The, the the story the dialogue it's it's a it's an Xbox 360 RPG came out in uh, 05 or 06 around then and everything everything about this game is so hilariously laughably bad that I just had so much fun making fun of it it was just enormous amount of fun playing that game because of how how dumb it was the reason I wanted to play that game in the very first place years ago when it came back is because it seemed ridiculous like you can summon all these ridiculous things and I just love yeah. that idea. Yeah, you could. I had a, oh man, I don't even remember. I had like, I think I had a Yeti in my party. Uh, oh, I can't remember. It's been too long now. I don't think yes. I don't think Yeti was even the tip of the iceberg, though. I think oh, no, yeah, that's, yeah. Weird things like big anthropomorphic cookies or something, like really <laughs> weird things. I had a couple pizzas in my party at one point. Awesome. <laughs> wow. Delicious. They weren't very good, surprisingly. <laughs> And I had, I had a, a trio of creatures that I called the little blorpies, but I can't remember what they actually were. They were just these little, like, tiny blobs that surprisingly dealt massive amounts of damage to the point where, like, I would get in a lengthy boss battle, and uh, all of my other party members would die instantly, and it would just be the little blorpies versus the boss for, like, a half hour. <laughs> Quite epic, but anyway. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way with, with everything, for some reason, like movies, TV, everything. I just tend to watch crap, because I think that's more fun. But I'm like that with video games, too. I want to play Enchanted Arms because it looks ridiculous. Yeah, you would like it. Uh, and then very recently I bought Choaniki, which is terrible. And it's just ridiculous. And uh, let's see. Although the one I'm, I'm truly, genuinely embarrassed about is I do enjoy some of those hunting games. Some of them. Very few. Because huh. some of them are like all the fun of obeying laws and fish and game rules, but some of the some of them are just like go shoot a tiger. All right. <laughs> well, do you play go them with big uh, plastic gun peripheral too, or no? Oh, well, no. I uh, I remember we rented Stunt Race Effects when it first came out, and I was like seven years old, and we had more fun just seeing who could be first to race off the bridge and into the water than we did actually playing the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, me and a me and a friend played a NASCAR racing game that day or that way. We would uh we would start the race and we would immediately just turn our cars around and see who could run into the other cars first. <laughs> <laughs> Cause the biggest pile up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> playing games incorrectly is the best way to do it. Sometimes, yeah. Well, there was this game at uh, Disney Quest, this large uh, arcade that Disney owns uh, on in Walt Disney World in Orlando. Yes. And me and my cousin would go. This is the same cousin with the Connect story that you heard about last. <laughs> uh, okay. We would go on this eight-person like NASCAR racing simulator, and these little kids would be playing there, and he would be completely going backwards, running into all the little kids trying to ruin their game, and I'd be trying to push them off the road. <laughs> Just because we're jerks. But that was fun. That was more fun than playing the regular game. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a, a guilty pleasure that I have. And the ones I feel the most guilty about are not the ones that are, like... They're not terrible games. They're just... They get the most crap. Like, I, I, I like the Call of Duty series, even the newer ones. And I still play WoW which people give me a lot of crap for. But I don't really, I mean, I don't feel like guilty about them, but I think those are the ones that if I'd said it, like told people, they would react to the most maybe. Yeah. Yeah, stuff that people would say, why do you like that? Yeah. And why do you say, play that game? Because it's a game, and I just play it like a game, and it's fun. Yeah. No, I mean, I played for a very long time uh, Ragnarok Online, and I will admit that that is one of the worst games. But it is fun and addictive for some reason. I played the game uh, Fly yeah. for Fun, a free yeah. MMO. Yeah, another one similar like that. Yeah, and it was total crap. You, uh, wrote about I that play Four it. Players Paradise, maybe? Wow, or... I did, years ago. I heard Good about memory. it somewhere on Game Cola back in the yeah, newsletter Yeah, I did. Days. I wrote about it like a few years ago. <laughs> newsletter days. <laughs> the golden years. Yeah. <laughs> 
but not back when we were uh, an actual email. No, no. Well, that, that those those days didn't last very long. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I think that was only volume one of Game Cola. Or uh, when we were just one very long. Page. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean when I actually sent it out as a newsletter, like through Yahoo Groups. There yeah. was no website. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. It's the history of Game Cola. Okay, I think I'm back now. I think I'm good. Cool, go ahead. Hello? Yes, okay, anyway. Um, yeah, in China. Um, yeah, there's an article here on Kotaku. I may link this on Game Cola later. But uh, this is from July. But yeah, basically game consoles are banned in China. Um, it's kind of a weird situation. So, I mean, there is no Wii, there is no 360, there is no PS3. And I think the rationale has something to do with... Um, it's bad for the children. You know, it's kind of like the old comic books are the devil kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, all over again. But, and yet, portables, no problem. The PSP, the DS, huh. um, the, old, the old GBA, those are fine. And uh, PC games are a big thing uh, in China. Um, oftentimes, between class, I get into class and the students are on the computer playing whatever dance, dance, rhythm game on the keyboard and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, it's gaming is still big here, especially online gaming. Uh, one of the first questions I often get from students, at least one time this happened, is they want to know, like, what computer games do you play? What computer games do you play? And um, they want to know what online games I play, which I don't really do. Yeah. And uh, someone were asking about Warcraft, World of Warcraft. I'm like, no, no, I, I played, like, Warcraft 2, like, they asked me what race I play. Did, did they, <laughs> they ask you if you, want, if you want to buy some gold? Um, maybe. I, I, I kind of think that's like what they do and what free time they have is they're, they're on World of Warcraft farming gold and uh, selling it or, or whatever else. But yeah, one, one, one student in class. Yes, yes. Child labor just isn't what it used to be. No, no. But yeah, I had a student asking me, I told him, yeah, I played Warcraft 2 years ago, and he misinterpreted that as, as World of Warcraft, and he kept asking me, what race do you play, what race do you play? And I'm like, no, no, I don't play. He's like, no, what race do you play? And I'm like, um, human, human, please, okay, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's still a big thing here, um, but it's it's more, I think, PC-oriented, more so than, than any consoles, just because they can't get them, basically. Unless you count the V. Have you seen the V? The, the knockoff of the Wii? <laughs> no, it, 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 it does exist. The v. Play. Yeah. Interesting. It's out there. And, uh, and Nintendo also is not called Nintendo. It's actually IQ is like their local distributor here. I think maybe because if, if they called it Nintendo, there'd be like anti-Japanese boycotts or something. I, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, it's kind of an interesting situation. They've got this ban. A lot of people think it's kind of dumb, but no one wants to propose to change it. So I don't know where I'm supposed to buy games here. I don't know. I'll have to look around, see see what they've got. But um, yeah, that's um, gaming in China right now. I'll try to do some more research on that and see what I can find out. Oh, oh, oh I, forgot one, I forgot one thing, which is the other way they get around the law. They do have what's called the IQ Player which is basically an N64 controller with a game built into it that plugs in directly to the TV, and that is considered legal. The N64 is not, but a N64 controller with an N64 built into it is okay. I've got so, one of those. Um, yeah, they, oh, you've got I've one. I've seen them for yeah. sale at like, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, well, I have one yeah. of those ones that are an N64 controller with a Famicom on the bottom of it, so you can shove Famicom mm-hmm. games in it and play it directly from there. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's that's okay. That's like a loophole in the law. It's not really a console then. Yeah. So that's a basically, very strange it, law. Like, is it just a problem of like lawmakers not understanding that computer games and portable games are the same thing as console games? Or I'm sure. I don't like, know I, for sure. Yeah, it's 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 good. I'm gonna have to look up more information. Yeah, what the exact rationale? In the law, but basically. Basically, Chinese law is constructed out of loopholes, kind of duct taped together. I think is how it works. So um, that's how they do things here. Hey, yep, that's that's China. So crazy. Sorry, it's getting noisy again. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. But yes, uh, China. Do they have video games in China? 
We were just discussing they, this. Where were you? Yeah, they, well, and and they make them here too. Funny thing, no no Facebook in China, but there are a lot of companies making Facebook games in China. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there are some RPGs that come out of China. Um, Nihon Falcom publishes them in Japan sometimes. They translate them for the Japanese market. I have not actually tried to play them. It is interesting to hear about video games internationally. Yeah, I know um, Matt Jonas is posting quite frequently on the website about how uh, European uh, releases often take a lot longer to get uh, to to come to Europe than they do to the U.S. or uh, Japan. Apparently, yeah. not as long as a not as long as it takes them to get to China, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I've heard all kinds of things about uh, the names of games in different countries and like the stuff that they had to do to get them in or whatever. And uh, mm-hmm. was it Contra is called Probotector in Australia yes. or something like yeah. that? Yes. <laughs> and the classic uh, ninja was like a band word. So uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles became Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Yeah. yeah I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think in China they've got some pretty strict content standards. So, yeah, I haven't seen how that applies to gaming yet. But uh, you'll have to check that out. Yeah, and uh, it is interesting, however, games that didn't get released here in the States that did get released in Europe or other countries. Um, yeah, Terra Enigma. I think that made it to Europe. Maybe not. Uh, yeah, that's what I... Uh, Illusion to Gaia, Illusion of Gaia. Yeah, and... Uh, oh, that came out a sequel? It did, <laughs> and, it, and it's, very, it's very good. It actually is very good. Oh, wow. Good. It, it's technically mm-hmm. not really a sequel. It's, uh, it's yeah. a... It's a continuation of concept, but not Spiritual really. Spiritual successor. That's the one exactly. where you play as a kid, and then sometimes he turns into a really big guy and hits stuff. Is that at all correct? That's, that's the that, one, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Speaking in very vague terms, but it's been 15 years since I played it. That's what I remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah the, the sequel is, or again, more of a successor, is, is pretty good. Terra Enigma. If yeah. you like action RPGs, it, it, I'd say it's more polished even than a Illusion of Gaia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it made it to Europe. It didn't make it to the U.S., but I think it got to Japan. Maybe no, maybe oh, I'm it, lying again. <laughs> it, uh, Let's find out. It was developed in Japan, and uh, uh, I used to actually know the original name for it. Terranigma actually has nothing to do with what the original name said. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Terranigma was what they called it in Europe, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes, it did make it to Europe. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but there was a, a few like really late uh, SNES games that came out in Europe, but not over here. I remember someone reviewed uh, the Firemen or something like that. Oh yeah, wow. That's also that's a nice old school reference. That was a uh, Rick L reviewed Rick that L. back in the day, I think. Oh no, sorry, that was Carl. That was Carl. Carl. No, that makes a big difference to uh, longtime game color readers. It was Carl. I thought it was uh, Craig Car- Carl Hutton. It was Carl. Lofi okay. Carl? Not Lofi Carl. But yes, uh, and that looked like a really neat game. I was actually like, when I saw that, it's like, why did that not come over here? You know? We hate fire. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the name seemed very sexist. Fire men? Come on. Do you think that's what did it? Fire sure. persons. Yeah. Fire persons. I think this should have had a good... Like uh, Virtual Console post 9/11 release, we've we've loved Firemen since then. Actually, uh, it's about time to be wrapping up here. How the yeah. time flies! Okay. So, uh, are there any uh, things left to say, or uh, are we about good to wrap on up? Oh, and, uh, well, uh, before we get going, um, I would like to encourage everyone to check out our Facebook page, like us there, because that makes us very happy. Uh, just search for Game Cola. Also, check us out on Twitter. We're at Game Cola. Uh, our YouTube channel is GC, the letters GC, and then the words .net. And uh, if you like the podcast, I would encourage you, uh, if you're not already, to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Review us. Rate us very highly. Do not rate us uh, poorly, because uh, our egos can't take that. Oh, and we actually have a website, too. Um, you may be aware of this. Gamecola.net. Lots of stuff on it. Articles. Spelled with an actual dot, unlike our YouTube page. Yes. yes. The litter dot. It's not just one word, GameCola.net. There's there's a period in there. GameCola.net.com Complicated. <laughs> yeah, go to the site. It has reviews, it has columns, it has comics. Uh, 
It has podcasts, and it's awesome. Nice. Well, uh, I think this has been a uh, very good and successful podcast. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Uh, I was Alex Jetty Jedrzak, here with the Franz Man, Seaport, the Hoover Dam, Green Machine, and uh, D-Dons. Yes, <laughs> I will. <laughs> I feel like I should be wrestling. <laughs> D-Dons! Are you guys complaining about your nicknames? Oh, no, I like it. Uh, I'll, I'll accept it. It'll work. <laughs> I'm just glad I'm not the Hoover Dam. Me too. Maybe we need like nicknames in quotation marks, like David Thunderbolt Donovan, that, that kind of thing. I, I don't know. Well, here next time you can host the podcast, and then you okay. can. Oh up, yeah. Nicknames I, for everybody. I guess that's right, how it works. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank You're you, welcome. Jetty. Yep, thank you. Yeah. Uh, this has been Game Cola Podcast number 35. Uh, goodbye, everyone. Bye. 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 Okay, no, really, we need to stop. Oh, they're gone. Oh. Wow. Time for the real podcast. Wow.